I pray we never buy into the lie that the seemingly ordinary things are not good enough and that doing the things nobody else will ever see is insignificant. Well, I just have to say yes and amen to this quote I just read you from today's guest and author of Life is Messy, God is Good. Before I introduce you to her, I want to welcome you back to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and I'm a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. And you are listening to the first guest interview of 2024. Get excited because the lineup of guests this spring is phenomenal. And remember, these episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. I want to encourage you to stick around until the end of today's show for our Let's Get Real Practical segment, where I share a word of encouragement through the lens of biblical counseling. Now, today's guest is one of those people who will challenge you to think deeply, all while having a belly laugh. Let me introduce you to her. Her name is Cynthia Yanoff, and she is a wife, mom, podcaster, blogger, and everyday girl who is ridiculously committed to not taking herself too seriously. She currently hosts the popular Mesmerize podcast. Many Christians are familiar with her work for ChristianParenting.org, as well as her time as the creator and host of the ministry's Pardon the Mess podcast. Cynthia worked as an attorney before pursuing a career encouraging and equipping women in their God-given callings. She loves speaking, writing, and foster care, and hanging out in Dallas with her husband, Mike, and three kids. Please help me welcome Cynthia to the show. Well, hello, Cynthia. Welcome to the show. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for having me. We get to be together in the same room. I know. It's so fun. It's my favorite doing in-person interviews. One, yeah. it just feels like we're hanging out talking, which yeah. we are. Um, also, the audio is be- better, so I'm sure the listeners appreciate that. For sure. <laughs> I know. I don't feel like I get to do as many of my podcasts in person as I would like to, so this is fun. Yeah. Yeah, you have a podcast. Tell them about your podcast. Yeah, it's called Mesmerized with two S's, like mess, um, which is kind of the theme of a lot of what I speak into and write and write about. So yeah, Mesmerized. And yeah, it's fun. It's been out there a while. I had one before that for many years and just switched to this podcast. And so, yeah, then yeah. on both sides of the mic, it's always weird, as you know, to be on the other side and answering questions. It makes me want to ask you questions, but. Hey, you're welcome to. I won't, I won't deny that to you, you know. <laughs> um, which side do you like being on better? Um, I probably like the interviewing side, mm-hmm. probably. I used to be, you know this about me, but I used to be a lawyer. And it's funny, I haven't practiced law in many years. And people will be like, do you feel like that was a waste or whatever? I'm like, actually, like you, I just love how the Lord takes all things and uses them. Because I took a billion depositions back in the day. And a deposition is like, right, sitting down, asking questions, listening, and then asking more. And that's kind of what a podcast is, right? Ask a lot of questions, listen, ask a few more questions. And so I would say maybe more naturally, I feel like on the questioning side, but I like it both. Happy to do either. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different. It's like when you're on the questioning side, you have to feel a little more prepared and on your game. And, um, but then when on uh, the other side, it's, I don't know what I'm about to be asked and hopefully have an answer for that. Well, yeah. And I don't, I want people to walk away and just, you know, like on both sides of the mic, I feel this way, but you want, I, I want people to know the Lord better at the end and I don't want to be just entertainment. And so, yeah, you're like, 
just help me say things that are meaningful. So yeah. 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 Well, I think that's what I love about you. You know, you and I met in person, I think at a retreat a few years ago. Now it's been, yeah. I think at least, at least maybe, yeah, two years. And from the first moment that I met you and then having listened to your podcast, that's what I love is that you, you're brilliant, obviously, because you're a lawyer no, and no. you know you have the brains there for sure. Um, you love the Lord, but you're also funny and like Aww. bringing all those things together. It's just so fun. So that's why I'm excited <laughs> to bring you on the show. I can't wait for the listeners to get a copy of your book because you, you do the same thing wherever you go, whether you're speaking, writing, podcasting, like you're, you use all those gifts. So it's just Aww. really fun. Thank you. Um, we've already kind of talked a little about you, but I do like to ask all my guests, what's something fun or random that I would not have just read on your professional bio? Okay. I don't think this is on my bio. So this is a fun fact. I am a unicorn in that my kids ages are crazy. So I have a junior in college. I have a junior in high school and I have a first grader, right? And you didn't mishear that everyone. Yes, I do have kids basically all ages. And so that's kind of a fun fact about me. Our our youngest is an adoption through foster care. And so that's a whole journey and a whole thing that I just love foster care. But yeah, so maybe um, the ages of my kids, everyone's always thrown by that. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably a whole nother story in that, right? Like, oh my gosh, yeah. Like, yeah, we don't have to get into it, but totally. Yeah. And I always laugh and I tell people, I'm like, the Lord has a sense of humor. The fact that I'm like managing a first grader and like probably about to start menopause or whatever. I'm like, like who thought that was coming? So yeah. who thought that was a good idea? But no, it's been a blast. He is amazing. And yeah, I'm so grateful for that. And to watch my older kids with a little one again has been super fun too. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like that journey of adoption and, and all the different ages of your kids has also been a big part of what led you to even write this book or do what you do as a podcaster? Like, has any of that come out of that overflow for you? Um, no? Yeah, I think naturally it has come from that. I also think on the flip side of that, I feel like that when you are willing to say yes to the things in life that you're called to and, and you're, you take those steps of obedience, I feel like more doors are opened. That mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean bigger doors. That doesn't mean platform doors. That doesn't mean everyone that said yes here is going to get a book deal later. But I do feel like if you, if you can take even the most, if the most reluctant yes and give that to the Lord, then I think he, that he just naturally uses those places. And so, um, yeah, foster care, obviously that's near and dear to my heart. And, um, and I've gotten to write about it and talk about it a lot. And, and that's been super cool because I think we're the least likely candidates for foster care. Like I always think that's really like spiritual people that like have it all together. I'm like, oh yeah, like we let our kids play select sports on Sundays. Okay. So we're not those people that it's been fun to walk in that space and, and people to be like, okay, like if the Yanoffs did it, then like anybody can do it. Right. And I'm like, pretty much. So. Yeah. Oh, I love you, Cynthia. You're so fun. <laughs> uh, select sports on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, yes. Yeah, there's apparently no rules. Uh -huh. Yeah, I love it. Um, and I love, too, what you mentioned, because it reminds me of, you know, he who will be faithful with little will be faithful with much. And I feel like that's so what the Lord is looking mm -hmm. for in his people of just who can I entrust with this, right? Who will, if I bring this in front of them, will say yes Yeah. <laughs> and right. not go well you know, I'm not sure I can't control that, you know, and have all the questions and the doubts and everything. And you just go for it. And I love that. So let's talk then about your book that 
as this podcast is releasing, just released into the world yesterday. I know. Congratulations, by the way. Thank Um, you. Scary and awesome and everything in between. Yeah. So it's called Life is Messy, God is Good. It's sanity for the chaos of everyday life. Tell us where the heart behind this message came from. Yeah, I think as a girl who grew up in church, and I'm thankful for that, a family that's always kind of pointed us back to faith. I, I figured out sometime maybe in my 30s, I was like, why is why do I feel like everything has to be cleaned up to fit within my faith story? And so I was I was realizing, I'm like, okay, uh, there's my Sunday faith, and there's my, you know, these big moments faith, and then there's the rest of life, and where it gets kind of tricky and messy and doesn't seem quite so spiritual. And I'm like, do those intersect or not? Because it feels like 99% of my life is in the mess category, and like 1% felt like it was true, like spiritual moments that the Lord was speaking into. And so... Uh, it kind of just one day I was like, Lord, I got to believe you're in all of this. And it feels like faith has gotten so serious. And and it's not that it's not serious. Absolutely. It's the, the biggest decision you make is around salvation, of course. But I'm like, it's got to be some fun in there too, right? There's got to be some place where the Sunday meets the Monday and the Tuesday and the carpool and filling out expense reports. And and so, um, you know, I, I often say this, like if your theology doesn't meet up with your reality, then it's really not a theology at all. It's just kind of like some good advice. And I, and I want a theology that meets up with what it looks like when, you know, I'm, I'm having to fix the foundation on our house and it costs a fortune. I really wanted to go to Disney instead. And what does that look like? And what does it look like when, you know, one of my kids has a learning difference or my husband's law firm is struggling or like, how do these all piece together? And in the middle of the mess, how do we find God in that? And does he care? Is he present? And can we learn to laugh about some of these things and trust that the Lord's going to use them? So that was kind of the heart behind the book is like, let's take it down a notch. I'm so glad there's like brilliant spiritual warriors out there writing books that are like doing all the amazing things. I'm like, but could I write one that we could just laugh about a little bit and be like, okay, here's the real dirt at the end of the day for real life people. Yes, I am here for it because I think that's Jesus too. You know, right. like we have so put, like you said, God in a box, like just of it's this serious thing. And absolutely it's in that he loves getting down into the mess with us. Like, yeah. hey, come along, you know, we're we're in this together and let's laugh together, let's cry together, let's do all the things together. Yeah. That's so good. Okay, so you, you know, you, you kind of started to talk about it just right there, but in this book, you suggest that God is in the middle of the messiest places. And I'm curious, can you give us maybe some examples of how you've seen that in your life in maybe marriage or in your own family or anything like that? Yeah. Examples. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in my own life, I, I think there's a lot of different places I can point to, but I, I go back to, I think some of the harder things for me is like, for example, when I've prayed the whole, my whole life for my family to do the hard things, whatever that might look like. And so uh, I'm going to touch on foster care for just a minute. But during that period of time, it was a hard time. And I think it got messy. And, and I think everybody can relate to this. I feel like there's been times where I've been in the hardest, messiest places of life. And like, I'm like, where's God? Why is it quiet? Why am I praying, Lord, day in and day out for you to do something that I know you can do in a minute? You can take me out of the situation any second that you're not. And so I, I talk about this a little bit in the book and, and, and about this whole idea of when God's quiet, what does that look like? What do we do with that? And, and so during this period where I was going through a hard time, I, I went down, I went walking and I, I ended up in this little part of our, our neighborhood. It's kind of 
a historic area. And li- literally, you guys, I live right next to a freeway in Dallas. Okay, like I live in the city. And but there's this little historic area, it has a little bridge. And underneath there's, there's a creek. And so I went walking one day, and I'm standing on this bridge. And I'm looking down at the creek and this little historic area. And all of a sudden, like I just start crying. And I was like, Lord, I what's going on? Like, this is hard stuff. And so I feel like the Lord, this is so weird too, Rachel. I'm not one of these people that like sees Jesus on my toast on, you know, like I'm not one of those that's always seeing signs from the Lord. But in that moment, I knew that the Lord was like, you need to walk down to that creek. And so I'm like, well, this is weird. First of all, I'm crying in my neighborhood. Second of all, I'm standing now next to this little creek by myself. And as I was looking around, I was reminded there's like rocks and were stones. And I was reminded of how the Israelites, whenever like they would see God do something magnificent, they would build like a monument, an altar. And they'd always say, like when they crossed over the dry land, they built an altar. They took stones from the riverbed and built an altar. So they'd never forget what God had done. And in that moment, I'm like, okay. And I realized like I needed to start stacking some stones. And so I literally pulled a rock and put one down for a time my husband nearly died from encephalitis, but but he didn't and he had no no residual effects. And then I put another stone down for a healthy kid, another for another healthy kid. I put a stone down for a time when the Lord gave us a job that we desperately needed for our finances. I just started stacking these stones. And in that moment, I realized it wasn't that they were stones in places where the Lord spared me from something hard going on, but they were places where he was faithful in it. And I realized like, this is a thing with God. You got to realize in the mess, when it gets quiet, when you're like, does this matter? Is God using this? Does anybody care? Like our God, he's not a remove the hardship kind of God. He's a remember who I am kind of God. And in that moment, I was like, oh yeah, I needed a long memory of how he had been faithful in the past to help me move forward in the present. And so I just love this. My pastor at the church the other day was saying like, listen, God's not going to give you a life that doesn't require dependency on him. Like if you're really following and pursuing, he's going to give you a life that requires some dependency. And in that time, I needed dependency. I needed a long memory of his goodness. And so that's just an example of a place in my life that was hard, that was messy, that all of all of my head knowledge would have said, well, God will show up and he will give you the answers and he will provide the way in the moment. Well, I didn't see that. I didn't feel that. But then as I really got quiet and I spent some time and I listened and went down by a creek, like that's where I saw the Lord say, Remember, I'm the same yesterday, today, forever. I've been faithful in the past. I'll do it again in the future. Ooh, this is so good. Okay, I there's something you said there that I wanted to repeat because that he doesn't always remove the hardship, but he asks us to remember who he is yeah, in yeah. it. And I, I feel like that's such a key to, you know, back to what we even started talking about of being a yes person, mm-hmm. right? I think that sometimes we can get the illusion that there's going to be something that we do in life or whether it's our calling, whether it's our family, whether it's our marriage, that's going to just be easy and not be messy. Like we're, we have this weird dream that like, oh, there's somehow that's just, it's going to be smooth sailing. There's not going to be any robot or, you know, there's just, it's going to be easy. Then when the hard comes, when the mess comes, we get really confused. Yeah. And like, did I miss God? Was I not supposed to do this? And the doubt comes in. Mm -hmm. And so I love even just setting up our mindset for, Hey, I can do the cool thing is I can do hard things because the Lord's in me, you know, like if I'm bringing him along with me, I'm not saying I'm expecting bad things or anything like that, but it's just like being okay with the mess, right? You know, instead of avoiding it and freaking out when it comes going, Oh, okay. It's a mess. Cool. I've got Jesus here. We can handle this together. (laughs) Yeah. And there's, you just have to clean it up. 
to mm-hmm. and think that God's not in it if it's not going the way you thought it was going to go, mm-hmm. the way that even those around you thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we always say with foster care, I went into it scared to death of what it might do to our family because, I mean, everyone's heard these foster care stories. You're like, oh my gosh, like, what? how's this going to play out? And and it, yeah, I went in scared of what it would do and I came out of it scared of who we'd be if we had not done it. Yeah. Because we're changed people because yeah. when you do the things you're called to do, the hard things, the things that maybe no one's ever going to acknowledge, like there's significance in that. Yeah. And the Lord, the Lord is good in that. And so, yeah, I think that's been, that's been part of, part of the mess, um, working through that. I'd also say, if I can, one other thing about that is I think that we've got to be really careful in today's culture, in any culture of any day, but right now there's so many things that are fed to us that, that seem to be truth. There's something called the illusory truth syndrome, which means our minds have gotten lazy. And it's a study that says that instead of us like fact checking the things that come in, because we're hit so much every day with so many facts or I'm air quoting facts, they're not actually facts typically, but that we don't are, we don't really stop to fact check things and we just take them as truth. And I just think there's some lies that are being fed to us that, that we need to fight back on. And we need to say like, okay, wait, I got to line this up with, with what is truth, with biblical truth. And I've got to stop listening to what culture is selling as lies and, and, and that culture is believing. And so, you know, I, I talk a lot about the three lies that I've believed over my life, but, um, and we don't have to go into those, but I just want to encourage you like stop in life a little bit, slow down. And, and be able to say like, okay, what am I believing? What's impacting my faith? What's impacting how I spend my days? And is that lining up with truth? And sometimes, you know, the Lord's faithful. He'll show us if it's not. But sometimes we need people around us too that are willing to say like, hey, I don't know why you're believing that. I don't know. I don't know where that kind of went south, but like we need a redirection. And I just think that's so critical. Yeah. All right. You said like three different things there that I want to make sure we hit on because I think that the listeners are going, Ooh, I want to know more about that. And I'd like to know more about that too. Um, Cause I do want to circle back to the three lies you believed. I think that would be good to, for us to look at. I am curious, you know, back to the, uh, you guys going into foster care and then adopting, I can attest to my sister and her, her family had have a very similar story. I've started with foster, ended up adopting a, a little special needs girl. And we've witnessed it transform their entire family, not just their family, also mm-hmm. our, like our whole family, yeah. right? Even yeah. as her, her aunt, like it's just transformed all of us to do this. But I'm curious, you know, you mentioned that that wasn't something on your radar necessarily, you yeah. know? And so I'm, I would love for the listeners to see how somebody goes from that's not really on my radar to now I'm doing this, yeah, right? Like yeah. where, where, how you got there. It's interesting. That's uh, because it's so ordinary, but yet the way God did it was also kind of extraordinary. But I was literally sitting on the like 40th floor of a downtown Dallas law firm. And, and by all accounts, it was going well. Like I was up for partner, all the things. And it was, I was just not fulfilled. And I had this moment of like, wait, this is weird. I, I mean, I'm, I'm making money and I've, I've got the degrees and I'm up for partner and all this. And I remember this, like a church word, the church words would be holy discontent. I don't think I ever really knew what holy discontent really was until I felt it. And I was sitting there, I'm like, this doesn't seem like it's enough. Like this doesn't seem like I, what I was called to. And, and I want to preface this by saying I, I, I was so thankful for lawyers and my husband's one. And, and I'm, and so I'm not knocking that I'm not knocking anything we do professionally in a secular sense. I think that's so critical for me in that moment. I knew I was like, Oh gosh, I think there's something else. And so I very, very reluctantly put my head back in my chair and I'll just never forget this. And I was like, okay, Lord, I, I don't know what this sense is, but if you have something different that you want me doing, 
I'll do it, but will you protect my family and will you make it very clear? And that was my simple prayer. That was the end of it. And I mean, you fast forward, like just little by little, the Lord starts chipping away at it. And I knew within a couple of months, I stopped practicing law, which, you know, again, talk about like countercultural, walking away from a, a great job and all those things. And and so I walked away and then the Lord really laid on both of our hearts foster care. I'm like, well, this makes no earthly sense. Um, and so then from that, from foster care, I mean, just weird things that open up with then a podcast and writing opportunities and just kind of totally pivoted a different direction. But it all started with kind of that prayer of just like, okay, Lord, like I'm sensing it that this isn't where you have for me right now. What, what does that need to look like? And yeah. that was the, that was step one. Yeah, I love the phrase you use there, that holy discontent. Yeah. Because we can feel that and either lean in mm-hmm. like you did mm-hmm. and go, what is this? Or we can kind of just say, I'm going to ignore you for a second because things totally. seem to be going well. I don't want to rock the boat of what's already happening in my life. And I've done that. Mm-hmm. Like, I and no, I mean, yeah. yeah, no shade on anyone who's done that. Yeah. And, and I have a, a dear friend that just um, recently passed away very suddenly. And it's been, uh, I mean, so tragic. But it's interesting. She was an attorney as well. That's how we knew each other. And at her funeral, her husband was reading her eulogy. And he said something I'll never forget, Rachel. He said she quit right before she made partner as well. Actually, she practiced a little longer than me, but either way, she was up for this big promotion within the law firm and all the partners were like, you're crazy. Why are you walking away from this? Why are you walking away from this? And her husband said at her funeral that she left her promising future because all the partners were like, you have such a promising future. She left her promising future to live in her cherished present. And I just think that's, that just stays with me. Like, you know, like sometimes we get into something that's a good thing and it's like this promising future of whatever, if we stay the course, but here's the thing, like if the Lord has a different cherished present for you, then walk into that. And whatever that may be for, for her, she left to stay home with her kids. And now I'm so thankful that she did that because she passed away 18 months later. So she got that time with her kids. It looks different for all of us, what that might be, but don't hang on to the promising future that our culture wants to sell sometimes that um that feels like in a worldly sense how can I walk away from this when there's something else and the Lord has a, a cherished present for us that he wants us to walk through you are preaching today because I'm right there with you Cynthia there's been times in my life where I've leaned in and other times where I ignored it right same. and I mean same no like you said absolutely no shame there but I even am being encouraged as we're sitting here to lean in right when oh. those moments come like and I hope I know the listeners are too so yeah thank you for sharing that I the other thing that I wanted to bring up was whenever uh, you know a few convos ago when you mentioned the us fact checking things. Mm. And I appreciate that. And I wanted to circle back around because I have a 17 year old who you have met and she's very interested in going into law. Even if she doesn't do law, she loves, she's on the speech and debate team. So that girl is constantly fact checking. And honestly, it's challenged me because, you know, things that we've always done or ways we believe. And she'll be like, now why? What, what's, you know, and, and as a mom and as just as a woman, it has challenged me to go, well, you know, I don't know why I, I've just always done it, you know, like me yeah. stopping and going, is yeah. this right? Like, you know, and so it's been good. Of course, you know, sometimes it can be annoying, you know, but it's also is like, yeah, this is so good. So I only wanted to bring that back up. So the listeners also can just be encouraged, like lean into that fact checking, mm-hmm. just like, just like mm-hmm. we're leaning into the, those spiritual, you know, moments where you feel the Lord shifting, also leaning into something maybe 
doesn't quite sit right or whatever, just being like, okay, now why do I believe this? And yeah. wh- why am I running with this? Have I really um, checked that? Like get curious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. get curious about stuff, I think. And I'm not naturally a curious person. Yeah. Like my husband is, but that's, I'm really not. Like mm-hmm. I don't really, it doesn't matter to me why an airplane flies. Like I'm just glad it does. Yeah. And um, it doesn't really matter to me when eclipse happens. Like I, I mean, just for better or worse, I'm not a curious person. So for me, that's an angle I have to work on and be like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to step back and be like, why am I feeling this way? Or why, you know, what, what, what can I learn from this? What can I change? And so just getting curious. Yeah. All right. So let's hear about those three lies. Okay. <laughs> so I think that all, like I said, I think all of us, there's things that, that we're prone to buy into. I love, love, love your book. And I love that you talk about body image and so, so many of the things that you talk about, because I think those are lies that we're buying into. I think that generally there's a lot of lies we all as women probably buy into. And I think there's some that are very specific to who we are. For me, the three lies that I fought, um, the first one is that ordinary isn't enough. The second one is that everyone has to love and accept me. And my third lie that I've fought a lot is that I, that my worth is determined by the success and failures of my kids. And so those are kind of the three categories that I've fallen in. And it's interesting because the more I've written about it or spoken different places about these lies, everyone's like, yes, yes, and yes. And so those are kind of three I've had to fight. That's getting curious and, and people around me saying, hey, why do you respond to things this way? Why is this a big deal to you? And then being able to boil that back down and saying, oh, it's because I believe these lies. And so those are my three. I'm willing, I'm very happy to hit any of them or none of them, but those are kind of the three I've, I've had to work through. Yeah, I would like to also just a little bit backtrack and ask, how did you figure out this? Um, I think, again, it was the way I respond to things. You know, it's it's funny. Um, I, I say this a lot. Like, our lives, they're telling a story, right? Like, we're writing a story with our lives, whether we want to or not. And the story is written other sides of outsiders see the story written by how we respond to things, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, what we freak out about, what sends us running down to the school or arguing with a neighbor. Like all those things are feeding into the stories of our life, what matters, what we're valuing. And I just started seeing some places where my time, my efforts, what upset me, what I was striving for were all kind of out of whack with who who I want to be and who I believe God created me to be. And so got curious, started asking people like, Hey, you know, anything interesting you've seen with me or, and, and, and I just really honest people in my life started speaking it. And they didn't have those three lies. Uh, eventually I came up with those, but really it's having people around me that were able to speak some truth over me too, that kind of helped me dig into those. Yeah. Yeah. So it's self-aware yeah. and then it's also having community who will be honest with you. Right. When you say, hey, what do you see that I don't? Because we all have blind spots. For sure. And if you think you don't, then you probably have 10 blind spots. So. Right. Right. And I'm not <laughs> defensive. And I'd like to encourage all of y'all. Like my mom always told me, if you're going to laugh about it in a year, laugh about it today. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I really do try to like find the humor and it be like, oh yeah, I do totally believe that. What's What the heck? Like what's going on with that? And so if you can step back and not take yourself so seriously and laugh a little bit about it and be like, oh, that's too bad. I have been believing that. It really goes a long way of being able to like move the ball forward. But when we're so serious and we can't point out, you know, we don't, we can't take it if anyone points out a deficit, like that's a hard place to live. Yeah. I like that quote. If you're going to laugh about it in a year, laugh about it now. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's really good. 
Yeah. So, and that's why, you know, I think that's why I wanted to back up and say, because I very much believe that most people walk around believing at least one lie about themselves, yeah. if, if not multiple, and we're just not aware. Nobody wants to sit or walk around believing things that drive us and whatnot, but it does. <laughs> it takes time to actually stop and go, hmm, I wonder what this could be and if something feels off and whatnot. Um, which of those three that you mentioned to us feels like has been the biggest for you or even that you can think of that You've seen, I don't know about you, Cynthia, I will speak for myself, but some of the lies that I have wrestled with in my life, they really came back up as I was writing my book or as mm -hmm. I was releasing it. And, mm -hmm. I, and I say came back up, um, I had to really just tackle them. You know, I yeah. had to finally, there were some of them that I was like, okay, we got to deal with you. Right. <laughs> You're really coming up hard for me right now. So any, any of those yeah, for, for sure. You. I mm -hmm. feel like the Lord really makes you live out your message when you write a book or you speak into something or if or if you haven't written a book and you're listening and you've like, you know, this is my hill to die on and you really, uh, the Lord's going to make you live it out a little bit. And I've seen that. I would say, I think the lie that, um, that I, as I was writing that really kind of stood out to me is that everyone has to love and accept me. And, and I say this because I grew up again in a Christian home in a place in where I felt like if you're living the right Christian life, then everyone's going to love you and approve of you. I even remember like, Rachel, I'm crusty old Baptist from the old days. Okay. Like I remember going to church and before the offering on Sunday nights, once in a while, they would have a moment where you could like go and reconcile with someone if you had a problem with someone in the congregation, which is, by the way, spiritual. I mean, that is biblical. I mean, totally to go and reconcile with someone. But I, in my mind, I transformed that to thinking like if anybody had a problem with me, then I wasn't walking right with the Lord. Well, think about today's culture. Like we are so divided economically, socially, politically. Like there's not a level we are not divided. There's no way we're going to be everything to everyone. And so for me, fighting that lie has been important because, yes, I want to live in harmony to the best of my ability with every person. But if I'm waiting for every single person to approve of what I'm doing and to give me an attaboy, I mean, that's not going to happen. One of my friends tells the story of her daughter went to a sleepover and she came out so upset because two or three of the popular girls went and slept in a different room. And she's like, well, okay, well, how many were left in the room with you? She's like 15. And she's like, do you get the irony of that? You're worrying about the three, but you were with the 15. And I think that's what happens with us. We've got to, we've got to start valuing quality over quantity and in friendship especially and so for me I don't want to have adversaries if I can control that for sure but I need to be focused in on the three or four people that are that the Lord's putting into my life I think I believe that we need three or four crazy friends and and I tell this biblical story um in the book talking about you know remember the guy who was paralyzed he's on the mat and Jesus comes to town and his friends carry him to Jesus and when they get there it's too crowded they can't even get in the door and so like do they give up and just leave him on his mat and like oh well what can you do no like they take him to the roof and cut a hole and lower the guy in front of Jesus because they know that's the only way he's going to get healed and I think about those four crazy friends you guys those are the four crazy friends we need we don't need the people that are going to give up because they can't see a solution to the problem. The people that don't even notice there's a problem because they're too self-absorbed. We don't need those. We need the four crazy friends that are going to believe in our kids when nobody else believes in them. They're going to believe in our dream when our dream looks like it's dying. They believe in our marriage when our marriage is struggling. Like those are the four friends you need. And so that could be three. It could be five metaphorical four friends, if you will. But find those people. Be that person to someone else. But find those four and then lean in hard there and stop worrying about the peripheral. We can't, I mean, uh, behavioral scientists say we can't even handle more than four or five deep relationships. You know this better than I do, but just how we're created 
it would be difficult to have more than four or five really deep relationships. And so we're not going to be everything to everyone. And we're not going to be in everybody else's top four or five. And that's okay. And so I think that's one of those lies that I've just wanted. I've wanted everyone to approve of me. I've wanted everyone to be like, oh, we're behind you, Cynthia. I've wanted, I mean, heck, I've wanted to be invited to every girl's trip and every lunch or bunco group. And, And that just doesn't happen. And to be derailed by the perimeter when you've got people around you and you're surrounding yourself by the people that are for you, like that's a lie worth not living. So that's, that's one of the big ones I've fought over the years. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, I appreciate you telling that full story because what it also does is it gives us this view of beneath the lies that these core beliefs that shape the lies, right? And you mentioned in my mind, one of the core beliefs, you know, around that would be the comment you made that, people accepting you is related to how, you know, spiritual, spiritual you are, right? Like that's equated with God. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's linked to your spirituality too. And so you even recognizing that again, that self-aware and the Lord showing you like, Hey, (laughs) that's not linked. You know, Mm -hmm. people accepting you is not linked to how I view you, how spiritual you are, all those things. And it's like, when you start to unpack that stuff, it's just really powerful because that's when the chains really fall off. Right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's, and that's part of what, like I'm saying, that's the messy part of what we're fighting in mm. life there. I overheard a girl. I still remember this. Y'all all have these people that said something about you in high school or junior high that you still remember it. I heard a girl say that I only got in the college I got in because my parents knew somebody. She said it when I was a senior and it really like, I overheard it. And like, I remember going to college and, and my parents didn't know anybody there, but it doesn't matter. I went to college. I'm like, well, I'm going to show, this isn't her name, but I'm going to show Karen and I'm going to get a 4-0 there. And so I did. I mean, I went to college and I studied and I got a 4-0. And then I'm like, I'll show Karen. I'm going to go to law school. So like I went, wasn't the only reason, but I went to law school and I, and I, and I did well there. And I was like, I'm going to get a top tier job. I'll show Karen. Like at some point I woke up to realize like, you're trying to prove a point to someone who hasn't thought about you in 15 years, girl. And, and that's what happens if we're not careful. I mean, that's exaggerated version. I didn't do everything because of that, but that voice was in my head long enough that I needed to, I needed to be told. I needed to realize the Lord spoke it into me. And so did people around me. Like, listen, you're not going to be all things to all people. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're off track from faith. You're off track from purpose. And so some of us are listening to our junior high and high school voices, those things in the past, and they're driving how we spend our days. And and I just don't want us to do that. Be driven by what's significant in the moment, what has eternal value, but don't be driven by the ghosts in the past of people who've said things that are not thinking about you anymore. If I could drive, drop a mic right now, I would, because that was seriously so powerful of how many of us are still thinking, I'll show Karen. Yeah. Seriously. Like, even if you think about how, when you felt the Lord tell you to walk away from law and what you were doing, if you were still proving something to Karen, you wouldn't have done it. Truth. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, that like, seriously. And so that is powerful for myself and the listeners just to go, whoa, how many of my life decisions are shaping like you mentioned, you know, this example for sure, but even just past things that were spoken over me or that that just shaped this thing in me that really I'm hearing the voices of somebody else over the voice of the Lord. And yeah. that's that's powerful. Wow. All right. Well, as we wrap up, you know, I always love to just ask people what if, you know, what's is a main message you would love for the readers or even the listeners today just to take away from 
Yeah. Well, yeah. If you could give them a one-liner to remember something. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. Oh, great. Well, yeah. remind, me to, remind me to get better at thinking on my feet. I mean, I think my takeaway would be this. Like, whatever you're walking right now that seems really hard or it just was unplanned, like, wherever life is off script, God's still in it. And so just leaning into that, to the off script, to the hard, um, don't wait for things to get cleaned up. Don't wait for a better time in life to do the, to do the hard stuff, do the important stuff. Like in the moment is where this is where you are right now. And from the beginning of the time to the end of time, like God could have created you at any point in that from the beginning to the second coming, but he chose now in the community you're in with the family you're in uh, around the women that surround you. And so if that's the case, then that's, by design on purpose. And so take all of it together. Take that cumulative picture of the great things, the spiritual moments that you can see, but also all the hard, all the off script, put that all together and allow the Lord to use that and, and to create a bigger, a bigger, his bigger message out of the mess. And so that would be my hope. I love that. I receive that. And I want you to tell the listeners, where can they connect with you? Where can they buy the book? All the things. All right, you guys. So yeah, life is messy. God is good. It is in all the usual places, wherever you buy books. And then CynthiaYanoff.com. I have the weirdest last name ever. But CynthiaYanoff.com is my website. It has stuff on there. And yeah, my podcast is mesmerized. If you finish listening to Rachel and you're bored, come on over. We do lots of fun guests and talk and laugh, hopefully laugh a lot. So that's that's my spot. Perfect. And what days of the week does your podcast release? It releases on Wednesdays, um, always on Wednesdays with interviews. Um, half the year we do Mondays too, where we talk about spiritual disciplines and different ways to grow closer to the Lord, but definitely Wednesdays. Yeah. So that's when this podcast released too. So you can listen to mine, then hop on over yeah, to hers. Yeah, back to back, friends. Yeah, be fun. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on the show. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I'm a big fan, Rachel. It's time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. In case you missed it, we are taking a break from talk therapy, which is normally released on Monday mornings. And that was just something I felt the Lord asked me to lay down for this spring. We'll see when and if he allows me to pick that back up. But for now, during this break, I'm going to infuse the same theme of allowing space for God to move on our hearts and speak into our lives in these Let's Get Real Practical segments. And today's comes to you from Matthew 19, 22. This year in my Bible reading, I've been just listening to the Word of God, and I like to do this when I'm out for walks or I'm driving or different things, and I've chosen to listen this year in the message version, which is extremely conversational. It's just something a little different. And when, as I was listening this morning to Matthew 19, this is the part of the story where that young rich man had come to Jesus and said, what do I need to do? And Jesus essentially told him, hey, you're going to need to lay down everything, right? And especially your wealth and, and walk away from some things. And it made him really sad because he's like, but I would have rather done anything but that, right? I think we can all relate to that. That's kind of how I felt when the Lord asked me to lay down those talk therapies. And and even as I'm praying through the direction of this podcast as a whole, it's like, oh, but I love it so much, right? It's kind of easy to lay down things that we don't love. But when there's something that's near and dear to our heart, it makes it much more challenging. So here is what 
the message says here in Matthew 19, 22, after he had that conversation with Jesus, can I encourage you, by the way, I'm totally summarizing this. So will you please do me a favor and on your own, go back and read Matthew 19, that whole encounter. But here's the thing I want to draw your attention to for today. It says, that was the last thing the young man expected to hear. And so crestfallen, he walked away. Here's the sentence I want you to really listen to right now. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let go. As I listened to that and then I that jumped out at me so strongly that then I stopped and I took a screenshot so I could remember because I felt the Lord ask me and now I'm turning around and asking you the same. What are you holding on really tightly to? And I want us just to kind of sit in this and process a bit as we would with our talk therapies, but also how we do in these let's get real practical segments, because I don't know about you, but in theme with this message that we talked to Cynthia about, about life being messy, but God is good. I personally can speak for myself when I say I tend to make a mess of things when I hang on, when God has told me you need to let that go. All right, and I can't help but think there might be some of you listening today who can relate to that. So I have a a couple questions for you to ponder today and this week. What do you need to let go of? For some people, it is something tangible, practical, like a, a job or, you know, a ministry or something like that. For a lot of people, it's like things like unforgiveness or maybe even some sin or this crazy thing that we have that we have to be perfect, right? This idea that we've got to be perfect. We've got to clean up our mess and then we can let people in. So maybe for some of us, we need to let go of perfectionism, right? What is it that God's asking you to let go of? I would very much expect that today's episode is not like new revelation right now, but more so just confirmation that, yeah, the Lord's already been speaking to me and here it is again, someone else bring it up that I need to let go of something. And if you don't know what you might need to let go of, ask this, what are you clinging really tightly to? Okay, what it kind of reminds me again, back Matthew 19, where he says he was holding on tight to a lot of things and he couldn't bear to let go. What are you holding on tightly to, right? And Think of this more in like that a control way, like things that we can control. We tend to hang on tight to things that we feel like are in our control. And another way to kind of think of it this way is what would make you heart sick if Jesus told you it was the very thing you need to lay down? Okay, that those are the things we're talking about here. So I'm going to pray over us and I'm just going to welcome the Holy Spirit to just speak to us individually on this topic. So, Father, I thank you for every single listener who is sitting under the sound of my voice. Lord, I thank you for your word that brings clarity and conviction. Lord, I thank you for this conversation today with Cynthia and just how she drew us back to you, back to letting you be right there with us in the mess, in the thick of things, that you get the glory, Father. And Lord, as we wrap up today's episode by just saying, Jesus, tell us what you're asking us to let go of. What things are we clinging really tightly to that you are asking us to release the grip on? 
We trust you, Father. We give these things to you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, I'm excited to be back here with you, and I'm really excited about our next guest interview here in February. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, it's it's a super fun interview. It's with two of my favorite people. I'll go ahead and tell you it's Debbie Morris and Elaine Fisher. If you don't know them, you need to. They have released a devotional that they wrote together. They are mother-daughter. Debbie is the wife of Pastor Robert Morris. He's a senior and founding pastor of Gateway Church. You've probably have read some of his books. Uh, he's written several. And then Elaine Fisher is a pastor as well and a mom to four kids. They just both have so much insight. So I don't want you to miss that episode, okay? In the meantime, if you've never left a review for this show, would you consider doing that? That is like one of the best gifts you can give us podcasters. Just do it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. And I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.